Hello, world. Hey. Hi. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hello. Hello. Hi. It's like I forgot not to say hello. <laughs> Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Life with Kaka. I'm your host and fellow producer, Carolina Gropa. So week after week, I've been bringing you conversations with established producers from all walks of life. One of the reasons I started this show was to give you, my fellow listeners, more insight into this crazy life and career of a producer, to give you access into the many career paths that exist under the umbrella of producing, and to show you that if you want to be in entertainment, there's a world of possibilities waiting for you beyond some of the more visible positions. This week, however, I wanted to do something a little bit differently and go the other way. I wanted to talk to somebody who is young and interested in producing. So I'm very excited to share my chat with Zoe Jager, a high school senior and aspiring producer who is also going to be interning on the show for the next few weeks. Very, very excited. I honestly can't recall the last time I had a conversation with a 17-year-old, but it was really incredible to learn about the anxieties her generation feels mostly about the climate and not the robots taking over like I had predicted. It was great to dive deep into what the word impact means to her. And then she asks me for life advice, which I hope you'll stick around until the end to hear what I said. All right. Well, let's hear from Zoe. Awesome. Okay, so this is very exciting. Uh, For me, for you, I hope, but for me, very (laughs) exciting because, you know, one of the reasons I started the show was with the hopes to reach young people like yourself who are in these sort of crossroads in their lives and they're taking these big decisions towards their future and they want to explore different career paths in entertainment. So yay, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so excited. Yeah. So, okay. Tell us a little bit about you. So my name is Zoe. I'm 17 years old. I'm a senior in high school. I go to school in Burbank. I have moved many times. I think like five or six times. That's a big part of um, who I am. I'm in the film program at my school. So because we, because I go to school in Burbank, we have all these awesome connections to different um, production studios like uh, Warner Brothers and um, Disney is right across the street. And so we got this big grant to make this incredible cinema arts studio. We have a green screen room and a control room and a um, sound recording booth. It's amazing. Um, So that's what really got me into film, obviously. Um, My mom is a pastor. My dad was a retired professor, is a retired professor. Uh, I have a sister And yeah, that's kind of a rough outline. (laughs) Okay. A few things I want to back up to. Yes. You mentioned off mic, you were born in Champaign, Illinois. Yes. Which I think is important because a dear friend of mine, Sam, is from Champaign. So he's going to be really happy because I don't don't think I know anyone else from that area. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know Sam? Do you know he's a guy? Do you know him? I don't know. (laughs) He's like 20 years older than you. It'd be weird if you knew him. Um, (laughs) But no, so it's Champaign, Illinois, and then you Mm -hmm. moved a ton. Um, Yeah. What was that like for you? Moving so much. Well, so... The first time I moved, I was really young. I was like two or three. Um, and it didn't affect me too much because I I knew that I was only moving for a year and then I'd go back to Champaign. Um, the second time got a little harder because I was old enough to have like relationships with different people. Um, 
And then the third time when I moved from Los Angeles to Chicago, Illinois, I climbed up into a tree for two hours and said that I was not coming down until like we weren't moving. Um, and then I got hungry. So I came home. <laughs> um, but that that was definitely the worst one. But then I guess moving from Chicago to Los Angeles and then obviously now we're back in Los Angeles. Um, that one wasn't surprisingly wasn't as hard but I felt as though I was leaving more people behind because Mm. I was older um I moved back here when I was 12 um and like my best friend one of my best friends lives in Chicago um and it's it does get hard to try to communicate but obviously because so much social media and, Mm. and I can text her FaceTime her whenever I want to it does make it a lot easier yeah so when you went through those transitions mm-hmm. of all those moves and as you got older, obviously every yeah. time you got a little harder, you had yeah. more relationships. How did you get through it? What kept you going? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with my sister. We're very close in age. We're 15 months apart. She's older? She's older, mm-hmm. yeah. She's always been my best friend. We are so close. And knowing that I, I've always had her there even when my best friends were in Chicago or my best friend was in Los Angeles, I still had a best friend with me who was traveling with me and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And then awesome. she just went off to college, which is a weird adjustment, but... Is she nearby? Okay. Yeah, she's at UCLA. Oh, okay. So, so you'll see her. Yeah, I go to... I've actually been, like, too many times. Whenever I have an emotional crisis, I always just drive down there <laughs> because I need a brain break. Yeah, I don't I don't blame you. <laughs> the school that you're in, yeah. it's not a magnet school. It's not, no. like, a specific no. film. So it's just an incredible place, basically? It's actually a private Catholic school, okay. which is... A little interesting, and we have, uh, it is the only school managed under a hospital, actually. How does that work? It's called Providence Health and Services, and it owns um, a bunch of different chains at uh, St. Joe's, mm-hmm. um, which is right down the street, that um, my school is connected to it it's right next to it so we have a medical focus program we have a technology focus program and a cinema focus program um it's like so very la it's of course so that's, LA. that would be like the three things yeah yeah <laughs> it is very a very los angeles school and how does it work is it like um just almost like an elective or is there yeah. a tract that you, if you really are interested in cinema studies that you can kind of take and decide right. when you enter high school? Yeah. So you decide when you enter it, but mm-hmm. you can also transfer in the first two years after that, it gets a little hard. But, um, so it's something that you have to apply into. Um, and you need to obviously know that you want to go into it. It serves as an elective, like it takes up an elective time slot. Um, and it counts as an elective on your transcripts. Mm-hmm. But it's not a class that anyone can take. You have to be in this specific track. So what made you want to do that? Well, I had always been interested in the entertainment industry. And I always knew that I wanted to go into the arts, no matter what. I always had a fascination for film. My dad and I would watch, I mean, every day we, we would sit down and watch a film and analyze it. And I didn't realize that that was a kind of rare thing until I got into this cinema arts program. Mm. I guess that it was just um, a passion for the arts and, and yeah. a, a knowledge about film. My dad also was a professor of 
film. So mm, that'll, that'll, that'll do, do it. it. Yeah. <laughs> so what was your favorite film then growing up? Well, see, <laughs> it was actually, it's a movie called Love and Death directed by Woody Allen, which is a little controversial, but um, I saw that movie when I was like maybe five years old and just thought five that it was years hilarious. Old? Yeah. How do you like retain? I don't have any memories from <laughs> myself at five, much less of a movie. Yeah. I don't know. I've always had a very, very powerful memory. I remember everything. If you give me a song, I'll listen to it once and remember it. Good to know. Good to know. Yeah. But <laughs> it was weird. It's about this man who doesn't want to fight in like a Russian war and it's hilarious. Interesting. Well, okay, I'm going to have to watch that. Yeah. I feel very, like, not a cinephile because I have never heard of it. No, it's so. not very well known, but yeah, yeah, that was my choice. Okay, this is a good moment to talk mm-hmm. about just how very lightly you were also an acrobat for all these years. Like, yes. I went to follow you on Instagram and I was like, oh, who is this girl in Cirque du Soleil? <laughs> and you were like, oh, BT Dubs, that was me. Like, uh, just no big deal. I used to, I used yeah. to do that. I was like contortionism almost, yes. right? Yeah, I was a technically a professional contortionist. Oh my god. So that's I, incredible. Uh, thank you. I actually start I started when I was four years old. I just went to a birthday party and it was at this circus place and I turned out to be pretty good at it. So I started taking classes, um, got better, and mo- we moved to Chicago and then I um did it did circus at a place called MSA, this incredible, amazing uh circus place, and then moved back when I was 12 and started doing it professionally mm-hmm. with um, a company that I'm not going to name. Um, <laughs> but honestly, it's kind of, it's a very emotionally challenging extracurricular, if you can even call it that. It was kind of like dance moms. It's like mm. a very mm, passioned coach. Mm. That's a good um, spin on that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she was very intent on us being literally professional circus artists. Some girls um, considered dropping out of school and doing like homeschooling mm-hmm. uh, for circus. Um, I was training anywhere from like, I don't know, eight hours a week to 16 hours a week. It is backbreaking and it's actually really emotionally draining because you're told you're not good enough for this act. You're not strong enough. You're not skinny enough. You're not, you're too old. You're too. At 12. At 12 years uh-huh. old. Yeah. Okay. No. Yeah. She, she would yeah. tell people like I would be 12 and she'd say she's nine, he's eight, stuff like that. Um, even when circus wasn't my passion anymore, I still had to pretend that it was, it was so exhausting, but I'm I'm still glad that I did it. Yeah. Um, but at that yeah. time, were you, did you think that that was a career path you wanted to take? Like the yes. other girls, you were really all about it. I was really all about it. And um, we had actually, we went to Montreal for a show and I got to go to the Cirque du Soleil headquarters mm. and I was like, I'm definitely going to be here. I know that I need to be a professional circus artist, but I mean, that time has definitely passed. I've technically already had a professional circus career and, you know, no big I, deal. <laughs> I do not want to go back. Wait, what, so, what made you change? That was like your passion and you did it for so long yeah. at that time. That was your whole life. It was. To, so, you know, have that identity and then yeah. say, well, actually, never mind. Art coach 
was, well, just to say it plainly, she was really crazy and really emotionally abusive. And so a lot of girls were actually leaving at that time to a new studio. Um, It was actually founded and run by the mother of a child who went to my old circus place, my old company, um, and was just horribly emotionally abused. Um, And I just thought... I can't do this anymore. Yeah. I, I need to switch. So then I switched to our new studio, um, which is this incredible. It is just amazing because it's run by people who have seen the bad side of the circus industry. Mm. It felt more like a hobby as opposed to a career. And then I, along with one of the, this incredible contortionist, her name is Georgia Bryan, look her up on Instagram. <laughs> we um, founded this nonprofit called Yes Circus. It's called Youth Empowerment Social Circus. And we wanted to bring our passion for circus to children who otherwise wouldn't be able to do it, either whether that's children in underfunded areas or like we do work with this nonprofit called Camp Del Corazon with for children with mm-hmm. heart defects. Um and that really rekindled my love for circus because it it had everything that my experience lacked which was an actual love for what we were doing Mm. um so I actually still do that I don't train as much but I still do work for the nonprofit, which is so much fun that like you've done so much at (laughs) such a young age have you always been this way sort of motivated energetic person (laughs) yes well I I've never not had a project. I can't not have a project. You sound like to do. a producer already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I um, you know, I would always be baking or I'd always be cooking or um I tried to start like my own restaurant in my own house. Um <laughs> I when I was like five, I've always um been very motivated yeah. to do something and uh not even be successful, just occupy my time with the things that I love Mm -hmm. um and yeah I've always been that way that's interesting well it's working out for you clearly um your Cirque sort of career mm-hmm. ends. And yes. how old are you at this point? Uh, about 15, I 15, think. Okay, which is, it's like not that long ago, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> so then, and then at that point, you already had enrolled in the school where yeah. you were sort of on the cinema yeah. path. And what made you decide to, to do that path? Did you have a vision of like, okay, I want to write or I want to direct or I want to produce? Was yeah. that ever super clear? Um, it, it was, n- I never had an idea of the exact role I wanted. I guess I, I have always had a fascination with writing. I would always write screenplays. I still have screenplays mm-hmm. from years ago. That obviously made me want to actually produce them, but um, really it was just a fascination with it. It wasn't a specific role or um, a film idea. It was just, yeah. I think it looks fun. I am excited. Yeah, well, and now you're, what, five months away from graduating? Yes, and so you've you're almost done with the program and mm-hmm. what what have you taken away from it so far so much um always meet your deadlines which <laughs> is so hard um but so in our cinema arts room there is this there's a word written on the wall it says impact i 
have always taken that as like, we have the potential to make an impact on anyone. You can choose to do that in different ways. I choose to do it through the arts. That that little word, no pun intended, is actually really impactful to kids like me because in a world that is just full of noise, you feel like you can never be heard ever. But with film, you feel like you have a voice. And so I'd say that's probably what I've taken away most is that I know I have a voice now. Yeah, I know that I can make an impact on someone, even if it's you know, it doesn't have to be a Hollywood producer or a, a big time name or anything, but even just a friend or a teacher or, you know, a peer. So what is your dream if you like could could look into the future and say, here's the kind of impact I want to make? Like if I can start planting the seeds of what you think your legacy will yeah. be, what does that look like for you? That's a big question. Um, we go hard. We go deep. <laughs> My dream, I mean, I'm not entirely sure where I want to end up, what I want to end up doing. Um, Right now, I definitely feel like producing is that. But one thing that I would really love to finish and expand upon is this documentary that I made um, in February, May, um, about the stories of persons experiencing homelessness in North Hollywood. That was the most important project I've worked on because it involved real stories told by real people right there. It was really raw. Um, If that could just, that same passion, that same excitement that I had for that project, if that could carry into my future ones, that would be great. And it doesn't have to be documentary storytelling, but that same principle of taking real stories and real life events I, I would love to, that's probably my dream too, yeah. to capture real people's stories. Okay, it's a good dream. Yeah. We'll check in with you in five years <laughs> yeah. and see how, how much you have done. I know you will work work towards it and, and yeah. achieve great things. I'm not even worried about it. But so why then producing it? And yeah. this is a good time to segue into how do you define producing and a producer? What does yeah. that mean? So I don't know too much about it. Like everything that I know comes from your podcast <laughs> and like my teachers. Yeah. Um, but I I think producing is really intriguing to me because you get to make a lot of decisions. Create your creatively and um logistically. Well, at least the type of producing that I would plan to do is like um I'd want to choose the scripts that I wanted that I was passionate about and work with and build a team around me that I would work well with and that would be um you know a team of women if I wanted to mm. or or uh people that I felt comfortable with and there's so much control that you can bring to to producing or to your project um and I think having that type of influence is really great and I've always been kind of a leader, I guess. And um, one of my directors in the drama department at my school says that um, this is one of the best pieces of advice I've ever gotten, that to be a good leader, you have to surround yourself with people who do things way better than you. And I feel like I'm very, I'm really capable of doing that um, and recognizing other people's talents. And so the idea of bringing all those people together to work on one project that that's what really draws me to 
producing. Yeah, I think you nailed it. I mean, I think, you know, there's so many shades of it, as I'm sure right. you've experienced through the podcast and different people yeah. who do something that's can feel very like granular within mm-hmm. the umbrella of producing. But I think the uh, overarching um, idea is, you know, you you're responsible for putting groups of people yeah. together that you think are going to work well yeah. within the confines of the time and the schedule and the budget mm-hmm. and all of the limitations that that one project has. Yeah. And in spite of all the things and, and, you know, through all the odds and all of the things that can and will go wrong, yeah. you have to be the person um, still keeping the train on the tracks yeah. because you have to get like, once the train takes off, you've got to get to the end of that, right. that station, you know, you have to complete the project and see it all the way through. And one of the things that I've realized in, in having all these conversations is that the kinds of people who are drawn to producing have a tremendous sense of uh, integrity yeah. for themselves and for signing up for something, even if it's a horrible experience, even if they, sometimes yes, people quit, but more often than not, the people I know, I can only speak for the people I know, they will see something through to the very end yeah. because it's their integrity mm-hmm. to do so. And oh I, yeah. I'm i the same way, even if it kills Absolutely. me. You know, and I think yeah. that that's a really important uh, personality trait mm-hmm. in a world where it's so easy to jump ship. It's yeah. so easy to be like, well, I'm bored and to have FOMO and FOBO and all of the things and see the next thing and think, well, I'll just go over there. Right. That's probably better. Right. Yeah, I think it takes a lot of courage to sign up not knowing what it's going to be and then get to the other side. And mm-hmm. I was telling your mom a little bit <laughs> before, you know, that there's so much that's not in our control. Yeah. Right. And so we can only control the process. We can only control the experience that we're creating for the people that are in that experience with us. And I think if you can live a life where you are creating that for others and they can say, Hey, yeah, maybe the project didn't turn out so well, but man, like working with Zoe is so great. She makes me feel seen. She makes me feel heard. I think that you are then paving the way for the next generation of producers who are operating in that mode that you don't have to be a dictator or a terrible human or miserable to be a strong leader that's awesome yeah um that's funny that you say that because my mom i've i've just finished a lot of college applications and um they always ask you like how would your family describe you or what are three words that would best describe you and my mom always says that um it's my perseverance my determination Mm -hmm. and i always see something through regardless of if I'm literally just dying through it (laughs) yeah do you agree I definitely agree I think that trying to produce a film is so challenging it's very hard it is so hard actual insanity like when you think about it because you have such high expectations for Mm -hmm. even being in production and then um the the outcome of the film and it is never as good as you want it to be or it's never the way that you planned it to be it's it's challenging to I mean obviously I'm a 17 year old and everyone working with me is not getting paid and (laughs) and doesn't have a ride and stuff all different types of stuff but um to actually get a short film done is probably one of the hardest things I've ever done. Yeah. People don't realize how much it takes to do anything. Yeah. And like, I get this all, all the time, like, oh, I just want to do this short. It's like 20 pages. No. It's like a two day shoot. And I'm like, 
that's a month to prep that. Yeah. And at that point, you might as well make a feature because the exactly. amount of work that goes into it is the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, of course, there is the like pick up a camera and shoot, right. do whatever. Like I think that's a really valuable tool and skill to develop. Yeah. But I think at some point, especially with the way that the internet has changed the way and having a a really good camera on your phone. Like there is no excuse for having terrible quality audio and video. Mm -hmm. So you really have to come up with a plan. Mm -hmm. You have to know what you're shooting. You have to like think things through and have a vision for that Mm -hmm. thing. Otherwise it's like, it's reality, you know? Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I don't think people want to see that. You, you never see an, even, even if you've done it before, even if you've learned from your mistakes, you're still going to it thinking, Oh, I'll be fine with two days. I'll be fine with, yeah. with, you know, uh, this, these three actors or something like yeah. that. Um, but then once you actually get on set and start filming, you realize this is going to take me way longer than yeah. I actually thought. Well, and then you realize how much it is a collaboration, right? Yeah. Like y- you can have all the dreams you want of like, well, I'm only going to, this is going to take me an hour to do. Yeah. And then if those actors are not on the same page yeah. as you, guess what? It's not. Everybody has to show up and do their job at a specific moment in time and do it well for the for the wheels to turn. This art form is so collaborative, it you is. know? And I think Hollywood just, and egos get a little, get a little bit in the way. Mm-hmm. But I think the more that as you are starting out in your path, no matter where you stay, if you mm-hmm. decide to not be in producing, whatever you end up doing, I think knowing that that it's always about the collective no matter what you're doing yeah yeah i agree and even in even in high school even with 17 year olds there are always people willing to help you i never really realized that there are these incredible filmmakers um who have their own opinions on it that are probably better than mine you really never realize how important all those people are and how important it is to pass them the baton and say you can take over this yeah. part because i trust you more than i trust myself yes, to do this exactly yeah. otherwise then just clone yourself and do all yeah, of the exactly. jobs and that's exactly. great <laughs> you know but so in this big this i mean high school gosh like graduating high school it's such a big transition into this other world this mystical world of like the afterlife of everything yeah. you've known how are you feeling about that and it's a big question yeah. and i'm sure it changes daily yeah. so like this is just a moment in time you know yeah so it's It's definitely exciting, but it's actually really scary and not maybe not for some of the reasons that you might think, but being 17 years old, even, you know, 17 or younger, uh, there has been so much worry about the climate. Um, You wouldn't expect that to be the first thing that I'd be anxious about. The climate, the actual. The actual climate, like the environment. The environment. Um, Mm. And... I know that I'm going into a world and a system that is entirely against me. There is little policy protecting us with um, little restrictions on things like vaping and things um, that that are that are put into our lives to strategically harm us. Hmm. It's really scary knowing that you are one in ten million. And already our voices aren't being heard by policymakers. We are going into a world that is dying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's something that we're going to fix or, or have to tolerate until we die. And I yeah. just think that's a really terrifying concept. It's this thing called climate grief that a lot of kids my age have. And it's something really specific to our generation, I think. I, like, this is the first time I'm hearing about it. Really? Yeah. I mean, obviously, I know a lot of people who are 
climate advocates and very much for the environment. But to hear that kids your age and your generation, that is like a concern, I think as like a older person, yeah. you know, the, the perception that I would have is that everybody would be panicking because of technology and how yeah. for the entirety of your awareness of self the internet pretty much has existed yeah. everything you've done has been documented yeah. you know i grew up in a time when like i didn't have a cell phone mm -hmm. like i didn't i barely even had a beeper when <laughs> i was in high school you know i wonder if our generation my generation looks at that and thinks that that's the issue that everybody is dealing with like feeling disconnected mm -hmm. and feeling lonely in a world where there's so much connection but you're so disconnected right. because of technology so i would think that that would be the concern really? of like how social media is impacting yeah. your mind and influencing you and mm -hmm. seeing images and being bombarded right. with images all kinds of images of you know um sort of body image stuff yeah. as a woman and everything under the sun and, and having that constant stream of stuff in your face but to hear that above all else not that i'm saying that's no, not yeah. a concern but it sounds like above all else mm -hmm. the climate is yeah. the thing that's it wow. really is and um i actually just recently had this amazing opportunity i got to go to this climate change convention and interview a um, climatologist mm -hmm. and i asked him i essentially this isn't the exact question but i essentially said is it worth me, kids in my generation, having children? And um, he kind of took a step back and said, like, I can't believe that's something you're thinking about. Yeah. He just kind of thought to himself or said, I'm so sorry that you have to think about that. But to me, it felt so casual. It felt like a question that, you know, you'd answer like any other. Um, and then I realized how sad that is that, I need to consider not having children because of because I would be bringing them into an environment that would potentially kill them. Yeah. Um, growing up in a time where actually social media is a real blessing when it comes to learning about the environment because without it, I wouldn't be educated. So many people wouldn't be educated about this. So many kids my age wouldn't know anything about it. It's just a really sad predicament. That we're in. It's interesting, but it raises this philosophical question of like, well, do you negate yourself that experience regardless if you know yeah. that the outcome may not be favorable, but maybe right. there is no guarantee. Who knows what the no, world yeah. will look like in 20 years? But if it is a 50-50, which so, gamble do you take? Yeah. yeah. The man that I interviewed said um, to have children and that he would encourage it and that and, I should never second-guess my opinion because of an external factor. And you said that, you know, the environment will obviously do what it does, and um, there's not that much that we can do to stop it, but it shouldn't keep us from living our lives. And I think yeah. that's something that climate grief plays a big role in, is having kids my age second-guess their next steps. Like, if somebody wanted to go into a field that isn't isn't contributing to the fight against climate change... Mm -hmm. um, you know, are they contributing? And I've, I've thought to myself, you know, maybe I shouldn't go into film, maybe I shouldn't go into producing, um, but study something like policy where I could make a direct change. But this man, uh, Chip Fletcher, he said that there is always something that you can do, to, regardless of the field, yeah. you can be a sustainable producer, you can be a sustainable yeah. person. Well, and you can also have multiple identities you can yeah. start as a producer and then 20 years from now 10 years yeah. from now go be a policymaker exactly. you know like yeah. you can always 
redefine yourself. Like yeah. you don't have to be one thing. And that was something that if I could go back when I was your age, a lot of my anxieties were not at all about the climate. I didn't think about that at all. <laughs> yeah. Like, but it's a different time. But yeah. I, I, you know, it was really focused on I had all I've always been a very driven, motivated person. Mm-hmm. And because my parents immigrated here, I immigrated oh, here. Really? You know, yeah, I came to, to the States when I was nine. And so ever since I understood the sacrifices my parents had made, I put this pressure on myself to really go for the things I wanted and work really hard. Right. And that's what I did, you know, and mm-hmm. I just spent 20 years basically doing mm-hmm. that, which is, which is really great. But like, my anxieties were always, I want to make sure that I'm always working hard towards the things that I want so that wow. I can take care of my parents one day. But yeah, looking back, I just, I, I, if I could go back, I wish that I had just enjoy the ride a little bit more. And everybody says that. And it's so yeah. annoying. Cause like when you're in it, I remember when I was your age, like I would be like, you're like, you're just a dumb adult. Like you don't understand like what we're going through, blah, right. blah, blah, because it's so far removed from the experience that you're in, regardless of the climate grief. Yeah. Uh, I do hope that you are taking the time to really sort of relish in these moments that you're living you really are just seeing that there are like micro baby steps that you can take as one in 10 million to make a Mm -hmm. difference make an impact yeah so yeah definitely i am yeah i agree yeah this thing about social media is really interesting to me and i apologize if i sound like the grandma being like what are the kids like (laughs) the pros and cons of social media that i experience and that a lot of people i know experience are rooted in a lot of anxiety because now we have the whole world to compare ourselves to at any given yeah. moment in time, right? What we have, what we don't have, what we're achieving, what we're not achieving. Mm-hmm. Instagram is like fast food, you know, it like tastes really good going down, but you never really feel that great after. Yeah. And I would say for the most part that that's true. So mm-hmm. I'm curious, having had social media in your life since a much younger yeah. age than I did, you said that there's been a lot of pros to that, yeah, but have. have there been negatives? And if so, right. like, how have you and how has your generation, to the mm-hmm. extent that you know, I, I know you're not speaking for all, you know, 17 <laughs> right. year olds in the world, but like, how are you guys grappling with that? So uh, social media obviously does have its pros, like the things that I'm yeah. talking about. It's a great way to get educated, but it can be really, really, really horrible most of the time. And if I had the choice to not grow up in a society that was entirely rooted in social media, I definitely would. I think that social media really makes you want everything that you don't have, which can be really, really emotionally challenging. Um, It can give you... uh, um, you know, body dysmorphia issues and, and make you self-conscious physically. But also, you know, you see on Snapchat, my best friend is hanging out with my other best friend. Why wasn't I invited? It really gets you into this headspace of internalizing everything and making everything this huge deal. Um, and then when you're hanging out with this person without that person, you want to post that you want to Snapchat this, you want to post this on Instagram and you never really realize this really vicious cycle that you're a part of. Mm. You you feel horrible. You just think to yourself, they hate me. I'm not good enough. When I go to school on Monday, it's going to be horrible. It's such a weird phenomenon. It's it's hard to explain, but pretty much you can, you and another person can both come to the same consensus about one another without even talking to someone. I I could have talked to someone over Snapchat for years and I've never said a word to them in person and will never say a word to them in person. It's like 
you have two different lives operating at one time and it just makes for this culture of internalizing and mm. and not uh, verbally communicating when you're communicating everything on social media except for this one thing that you want them to know. Right. Yeah. I mean, you seem like you're very good at articulating <laughs> yourself. So do you find that to then only have those relationships where you are not verbally communicating with someone? Like, what are the dangers of that? Do you see a lot yeah. of your other, maybe not you, but other friends really struggle with not yeah. knowing which of those two identities perhaps is who they are? It's really, really challenging. And I've experienced it and my mm -hmm. friends have experienced it. It gets to this point where there are people telling you who they think you are and they're totally entitled to that because maybe that's the identity you've, you've shown them. Mm -hmm. But then you you maybe don't want to be reduced to that you you want to expand outside of that and then maybe your friends get really confused after they're like I thought you know you weren't this way or you weren't this type of person but um you know maybe after all you were that's something that's happened to me recently and um it makes for a really chaotic sense of self yeah I mean I can't imagine it's such a tumultuous time because you are still figuring out who you are I mean I think we're always figuring yeah. out who we are I think that's the big myth that yeah. adults don't talk about is that like there isn't a certain achievement you unlock or an age that you hit or the house or the kid or whatever the thing mm -hmm. is that you then go oh yeah this is like who I am right I think that there's always a sense of evolution and growth and reflection yeah. but I do think so much of your core values get formed at that age and yeah. so you know I, I would hope that um somehow your generation is navigating that to the best of their ability so. and like my fear is that the we're gonna lose the ability to c communicate yeah I think that it's you know? possible and yeah. that it's gonna become like I can't read a person yeah. like I literally can't look at your face and read you because I've been only interpreting what I think is happening because of a screen or emojis mm -hmm. that's really dangerous territory to me that's scarier than climate change yeah I would agree. I think that... So here's one thing. I uh, really hate when people, like, let's say, uh, maybe ages 60 and up, tell me that my generation isn't social or isn't um, the way that they used to be or something like that. Because, of course, we're not. You know, we're in the 21st century of all this new technology. But I have friends in, like, New York City who I haven't talked to in years, but I know exactly what's going on in their life. Um, I feel like I just totally went off topic there, but um, <laughs> it happens. It happens. Uh, no, yeah. I mean, I think it's good to take a positive spin on it because I right. do think I don't want to be morbid and no, dark yeah, and depressing yeah, about yeah, like the future, but I, I am curious about yeah. how all of these things that I am in, I'm affected by yeah. it, you know, and yeah, I'm a woman in my early thirties yeah. who like didn't grow up with <laughs> any of this stuff and to have known both worlds, like my generation of millennials, like we're the last people who will have known both worlds, life before the internet, like, which is insane considering how new it is and how much it's changed so fast. It's really, really challenging. Kids my age will always present themselves as cooler or better or, or, or you know, a bigger partier than they actually are. I honestly, we don't know one another. We don't really know one another. Not to the point that I'd expect, like maybe you knew your friends when you were um, in in high school. We, you know, we talk, we get close and 
we, we get emotional with one another, but realistically, it's so hard to actually understand what what is going through someone the mind of someone my age I can't even understand it like I don't understand how um parents understand it or teachers uh, <laughs> it's scary to see people go through those changes yeah, or to go through those changes yourself because you presented yourself one specific way for a really long time um if you ever wanted to break that mold I do think this is something that's specific to high school also but if you do want to break that mold all eyes are on you you know yeah, it's something that's definitely perpetuated by social media. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So now that part of your life is about to be over, that chapter in like five months yeah. ish, what are you most excited about for what's next? I mean, obviously, I'm super excited for college. Wherever I end up going, I'm, I know I'm going to love it. I've always been a very independent person. You know, if I'm cooking something, I told my mom I want to cook by myself. I don't need your help. Like, if I had trouble with homework, I I can do it myself. I want to do it myself. When I started driving, it was like this whole new world, this incredible experience. I'm really looking forward to the independence that I'm going to get. And being able to explore different ideas of who I might be or who I might want to be. Um, And honestly, I'm super excited to get a fresh start away from high school. I'm someone who is obviously really used to change. I really love change, which is weird. Not a lot of people do, but it's going to be so, so much better than high school. (laughs) Well, I think that, no, like you said, no matter where you end up, I'm excited for you. I think you have like a really bright future ahead of you and all the things that you're going to do and, Thank you. and the impact that you're going to make in the world. So I really hope so. And I'm, I'm grateful that our paths have crossed and, and now you're working with me for a little yeah. bit on the podcast. I'm and so excited. I'm, I'm hopefully I can bestow a little bit of wisdom and knowledge <laughs> yeah. on you. I think you already have. Oh, yeah. thanks. thanks. <laughs> um, but we are almost at an hour. So I just, is there anything else that you wanted to maybe mention, bring up or that you want to ask me? Um, yeah, I guess just any advice that you would have for a 17 year old or for someone getting out of high school. And and specifically to like producing or in life? In life, definitely. That's really hard because I think that advice always comes from like the soul of the person. Right. And because I, I feel like I am very similar to you in a lot of ways, like Mm -hmm. my advice would be to just, you know, live life, like really experience the full breadth of your humanity, feel all the things, the good, the bad, like don't get, don't get yourself into trouble. Obviously Mm -hmm. don't go make irresponsible decisions, but also sometimes making an irresponsible decision can really teach you a lot about yourself. I'm not saying go get arrested or do illicit drugs. Like even (laughs) you may, because you'll be in college. This era you're entering of your life is all about that next level of self-discovery. There's so much to experience in the world. So like travel, meet new people, go outside your comfort zone, Mm -hmm. you know, don't just be so like goal oriented and do this and do that. And even with producing, because I think it'll all come so much of what I think makes a good producer is who you are and what you bring to the table, because the hard skills can be learned, you Mm -hmm. know, and um, all of that will come with time, but developing your soul and your sense of integrity and you already have the perseverance. So like, that's already going to happen for you. You know, that's what I would say. Really try to like, 
enjoy your life. You know what I okay. mean? Still care about the climate. <laughs> don't let it bum you out so yeah. much that you don't enjoy the season of your mm-hmm. life. I think that's what I would recommend. Yeah, that would be my advice. Like That's good could, advice. <laughs> yeah, that's what I would give myself if I was 17. So. But but thank you so much yeah, for being on the show. This it was so, so much fun. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad. Yay. Yay. I'm thank so excited. And that's this week's episode of the show. Thank you so much for listening, for tuning in week after week. Hey, if you don't already, please subscribe, rate, review, like, wherever it is that you get your podcast. Tell a friend, tag a friend. Heck, tag me. I'd love to hear from you. I'm at Carolina Gropa. The show's at Life with Kaka. I look forward to seeing you next week. Beijos.